Now that the minor leagues have been playing for about a week, which rosters at each level are the most talented rosters in the minors? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of Bravestoday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends with FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started today. So minor leagues have been going on for about a week. And some of you have bought MLB.tv to watch your out-of-market team and have realized that this year you have access to all of the minor league games as part of that deal. And so one of the most common questions that I get from people when they first get it is they're like, hey, which team should I be watching? And a lot of that's dependent on who you're a fan of. But I figured we'd go through, everybody does this when the year starts, we'd go through and look at some of the most talented rosters at every single level of the minors. And the very first one that we have to, like, when you look at AAA, uh, it is hard to argue, and there will, people who, there will be people who will, trust me, I know how this works by now, but it is hard to argue that the Durham Bulls, so AAA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, and one of the, I guess, greatest legacies in minor league baseball almost ever, it's hard to argue that they do not have the most talented team in AAA. They've won four of the last five championships. Uh, They are by far a a, a legacy, but they have a lot of great players in Durham. So right-hand pitcher Taj Bradley, we talked about him on yesterday's show as a guy who's a candidate to get called up this year. Taj Bradley is anchoring the rotation right now in Durham. But outside of that, You've got a couple other really interesting top prospects. You've got Kyle Manzardo. We talked about him last week. A guy that is, while he is stuck at first base because he is one of the slower players in all of baseball, he absolutely has a phenomenal hit tool, 70-grade elite hitter uh, combined with above-average power. Doesn't necessarily fit the usual profile of a big hulking power hitter at at first base, a big slugger who's going to hit you 30 home runs, but will absolutely do plenty. You've got him at first base. Playing a combination of second and third, moving around a bit, not really having a true defensive home is Curtis Mead. Again, one of the best pure hitters in the minors. Again, a guy who's a little bit on the slower end, kind of feels like the Rays have a type. And it's either guys who are wonderful pure hitters who defensively maybe aren't that great, or it's guys who are phenomenal defenders who have hit tool questions. There's, that's the two profiles in this system. And then they've added a couple guys like Xavier Isaac, who are defensively limited, but are just massive power options. So uh, Curtis Mead's going to be playing some second base, some third base, or he's going to be one of the first Australian position player regulars whenever he's able to get up. 
Uh, it's something where he's played first, he's played second, he's played third. Uh, the arm isn't great, so I don't think third base is the true best place to play him. He's worked to get a quicker release, but the arm strength is the issue. I do see an option Brandon Lowe is at second base right now. I want to say he's in the last year of contractual control. You may have a situation where Curtis Mead can step into that role at the end of the season. I'm not entirely sure, but either way, two fantastic hitters. And then they've got some other really interesting pieces here. So shortstop Orelvis Basabe has been talked about by a lot of people as a potential breakout in this system. He's limited power ceiling wise, right? So probably 40, yeah, probably 40 power, 40 grade power, but absolutely a plus hit tool. When he was in double uh, A with the Montgomery Biscuits last year, had a batting average of 333. It was best among everybody in uh, the Southern League that had at least 200 plate appearances. And he was also one of the youngest players in the league. I want to say he was 21, maybe. And so, great combination of contact ability. I think defensively, he's perfectly fine. Uh, I probably wouldn't have him as my starting shortstop. He feels like a second base or third base option. The arm is is average, but he's really good with positioning, with instincts, and all of that. So I think you can. There's a lot of things you can do as far as as uh, play, putting him in different places and letting him be successful. So Durham Bulls number one. That's going to be the controversial take. I have the Norfolk Tides number two. So again, this is the controversial take. Because when you look at the uh, at the Norfolk Tides, they have like four top one, four or five top one hundred players, right? Uh, and that's with Grayson Rodriguez getting promoted last year. I had this team at number one um, before Grayson Rodriguez got called up last week. We talked about that on Friday's show. Made my fantasy team very happy because I drafted him. But even without that, you've got DL Hall, who we talked about in yesterday's show, the left-handed pitcher, and then. For the Norfolk Tides, just an absolute ton of infielders. Um, so you've got Joey Ortiz, you've got Jordan Westberg, and you've got Connor Norby, and they're all shortstops. And so you've seen a lot of work trying to figure out where to play guys. Colton Kowser's fine in the outfield, but uh, you've seen Jordan Westberg. He's playing a lot of third base. He's played a little bit in left field as well. Uh, Connor Norby's playing a lot of second base. He's played in left field as well. Joey Ortiz is the one of the three that has played uh, that has played just about every game at shortstop. Everybody else is kind of moving around. But you've got three almost premier infield options for Baltimore in AAA to go along with Colton Kowser and then uh, D.L. Hall. And it's funny because... It's like five or six players. It was six when you had Grayson Rodriguez there. Like six top 100 players on this team, on this minor league affiliate team. There are entire organizations. I think only maybe five or six team organizations even had six top 100 players. And Norfolk has six top 100 players. So a little bit wild. My third place team on this is the Columbus Clippers. So, Cleveland Guardians affiliate, I'm very excited for the talent on this team because, peek behind the curtain, my sister, my younger sister, lives in Columbus. They just had their first baby. I'm going to be going to visit soon once all the rest of, you know, the, the mother-in-laws and 
the, you know, the, the grandmas and all that are done visiting. I'm going to go visit for a couple days. Uh, and we're going to make sure we schedule it during a homestand so I can check this team out. But they've got a bunch of top prospects for Cleveland on the Clippers roster there in Columbus. You look at some of the top pitchers. Uh, they've got Tanner Bibby. They've got Logan Allen. If you look at uh, behind the plate, Bo Naylor's back there because right now you're kind of set at the big league level uh, since you signed Mike Zunino. Uh, you've got shortstop Brian Rocchio there. So that's uh, like three top five prospects. You'd have more if George Valera didn't have the wrist injury right now. But you just have a ton of top prospects there in Columbus. Do want to give honorable mention here to uh, the Memphis Redbirds, St. Louis Cardinals affiliate. Uh, shortstop Mazen Wynn. We talked about Matthew Libertor yesterday. They've got Gordon Graceffo as a righty. Guillermo Zaniga as a righty. They've got some good guys there. I just, they don't quite have enough position players for me to, for them to break that top three. In just a minute, I want to talk about some of the double-A rosters. One of the sites that wrote this up, I think it was MLB Pipeline, actually called this double-A roster the most talented roster in the entire minor leagues. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with FanDuel. Grand Slam's no-hitters and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you don't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I have been following like a hawk the National League and the American League Rookie of the Year odds. Obviously, that's the big thing that matters to us. And a really interesting, we did the draft a week and a half ago, talking about Rookie of the Year. And every year, there's a guy that nobody expected to compete that shoots onto the board. National League, Jordan Walker, Corbin Carroll, Cody Singa are the top three. We knew that was coming. Number four, James Outman of the Dodgers. None of us drafted him in that Rookie of the Year draft. I'm sure there's a couple couple people who will say, yes, I saw that coming. But for the most part, nobody else did. So, tons of fun to go check out those odds. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up with FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, when we're looking at some of the top, most talented rosters in the minors, and you look at double A, MLB Pipeline actually said this was the most talented, the most talented roster in the entire minors, but it's the Frisco Rough Riders, double A for the Rangers. And the reason that they said that is because it's a combination of both pitchers and hitters and top guys. So, Outfielder Evan Carter, considered to have one of the better batting eyes in the minors. It's like him and Edward Julian of the Twins. So you've got him there. You've also got shortstop Luis Angel Acuna, the younger brother of Ronald Acuna. Fantastic athlete. We don't yet think he's going to be the caliber of Ronald Acuna Jr. as far as like contend for MVPs, but still a very, very good player contending for All-Star games, that kind of stuff. Uh, you have a couple really good pitchers. You've got right-hander Owen White. You've got right-hand pitcher Jack Leiter, uh, drafted out of Vanderbilt 
Uh, got it, got the assignment straight to double A last year. Struggled a little bit. Probably a good thing, though. Kind of made him work on some stuff. And then you've got some other really good hitters in both the infield and the outfield. You've got Dustin Harris, uh, top 10 prospect, who is not only an outfielder, can play first base as well. You've got infielder Thomas Segesi. Uh, somewhere, I have him in like around 20 or so in the system, plays a lot of middle infield. And then you've got some other arms. You have uh, right-hand pitcher Takoa Roby, back half of the top 30. Uh, the base, the MLB Pipeline write-up talks about Mark Church, a reliever who sh- could be able to make the bigs this season, a very fast mover. So Frisco Rough Riders seen as probably the best, most talented roster in double A, and I believe they won the Texas League Championship last year. So, like, uh, it bears that out. It, like, the the performance on the field last year bears this out. The second most talented roster in double A is probably the Tulsa Drillers. So, affiliate of the Dodgers. But when you look at some of the stuff that they have here, catcher Diego Cartaya. The, the Dodgers are slow playing Diego Cartaya's development. They've got Will Smith at the major league level. They can do that. Uh, there's been conversation about uh, hit, hit great arm, but needs to do more work on blocking, receiving, his stance, a lot of those different things. Some of, like the, some of the more fundamental parts of defense when you're a catcher. And so many of, and a lot of that stuff just comes with muscle memory. You learn the technique and then you have to do it. You have to practice it. So they've slow played his development. They don't have to rush him to the bigs, but it looks like he's going to be a guy, a massive power hitter when he finally does get up. And in the meantime, Tulsa is just going to let him sit there and crush for days and days. Uh, Outfielder Andy Pajes. We've talked about him on this show before. He was a guy that I wondered if he would have a chance to make the roster out of spring training. You saw Jason Hayward was a non-roster invitee. He's made it, hit a couple home runs. We talked about James Outman in the ad read as far as being a breakout contender for Rookie of the Year this year. So they haven't necessarily needed Andy Pajes. They sent him to double A. Uh, part of that goes back, there was a conversation about the quality of the hit tool, the power is ridiculous, right? I mean, 70-grade power, but we've talked about uh, the actual mechanics of the swing and the bat path being a little bit less optimal as far as complete plate coverage. You can get them with a fastball up and in, and then he's prone to chase a slider down and away. So they sent him back to double-A to work on those development things versus sending him to triple-A, which is more get uh, preparing for the bigs. They want him to continue the development before they get him into AAA. Uh, you've also got a bunch of infielders in here. Uh, Yorbit Vivas, Edis Leonard, they're playing middle infield, a lot of shortstop in second base, but I mean, running double plays every day. A uh, couple outfielders that have been noteworthy, Johnny DeLucia, uh, Jose Ramos, uh, out there in your outfield. So you've got a complete outfield of of top 30 prospects. This is there Tulsa has a lot of top 30 prospects on this team. You look at some of the pitching. Right-hand pitcher Emmett Sheehan somewhere in the teens there for the Dodgers. Uh, right-hand pitcher Landon Knack is uh the top half of that bottom 20. So, a lot of guys in this system that you're or a lot of rated guys in this system are hanging out there in AA Tulsa 
and are just absolutely raking and, and killing it there. The third team, and I found it interesting that there were different opinions on the quality of this team and where to put them, but the Hartford Yard Goats. So I think Baseball America had them at number six in all of the minors on talent. Uh, MLB Pipeline had them, I think, maybe eight. And some of that kind of depends on your uh, your perception of Zach Veen. We've had this conversation before. There are people in baseball, in the prospect apparatus, who are not believers in Zach Veen. Uh, something, you know, 6'5", 200 or so, uh, it, and, and hasn't really shown great power. He's shown amazing speed as far as plus runner, but just incredibly aggressive in a good way on the base paths, right? Steals tons of bags. I want to say last year uh, in high A Spokane, he was there for like 90 games. He stole like 50 bases. We saw him in the Arizona Fall League. I'm pretty sure he led the Arizona Fall League in steals. We saw him in spring, tons of steals there. Just a guy that plus hitter is still working on developing some of that strength. And I want to say he's 22 right now. So still has a little bit of time to get that physical development. He was a 2020 prep draftee in the first round. So lost that 2020 season, but has been working on some of the some of the strength and physical development since then. He's got swing and miss in the game because he's got the long arms and things like that. But he offsets that by being really good at not expanding the zone, not chasing a ton, uh, and, and going for what is thrown in there. He'll be a, a high average, high on base guy. You're hoping that the power comes in a little bit more. And I think the ultimate ceiling for Zach Veen is where does the power settle? Is it average? Is it above average? I've seen things where people talk about him being an all-star candidate. I think you're counting on the, the home runs being 20 home runs or so. Whereas if he's hitting, if he's you know in playing center field, if he's confined to a corner, uh, something where the arm is only average, so you're probably looking at left versus right. Uh, it's something where if he's hitting for average but not power and he's playing in corner outfield, that's not uh, that's not an all-star profile, but you're still happy to get that. To go along with him, you've got catcher Drew Romo, one of the few prep catchers that has looked pretty... I mean, 2020 first rounder out of high school, but looked really, really good and one of the few top, like, First, second round draft picks that you see uh, for prep catchers. So many teams now want college catchers over prep catchers because of that extra experience. He's a switch hitter, super risky, but is one of the better defensive catchers in all of the minors. Very good with that. What you're working here, you're working again on the power. Another guy that should be able to hit for average, questions about where the power ceiling are. Uh, you also have third baseman, third baseman warning Burnable, uh, shorts up Julio Carreras, some talented stuff in the infield, and then uh, catcher and first baseman Hunter Goodman, and left-hand pitcher Joe Rock, one of the few rated lefty pitcher prospects in this system. Some places don't have him in the top 30 at all, and it's because he did really well uh, last year when he was in high A Spokane. 20 games started, 4-4-3 ERA and 107 two-thirds innings. He went... He got two starts in Hartford to end the season. Eight innings pitched, nine hits, nine runs, five walks to 11 strikeouts. So 
I think Baseball America dropped him out of the top 30 altogether. I think he should still be in there. I like the the cut fastball, uh, power curveball. He's got a change to go along with it. Great frame, like 6'6". So plenty of room, like 6'6", 200. Plenty of room to add a little bit of weight. And just, I think the stuff and the frame says you could make him, if you can improve the changeup to get that third pitch, you can make him into a number four, number five starter. So, uh, honorable mention here, the Rocket City Trash Pandas with the Angels. Them who had the uh, terrible, <laughs> terrible outcome on Saturday where they had a, two, a doubleheader with one combined hit and they went one and one in that doubleheader. But they've got a bunch of top 30 prospects. Shortstop Zach Neto. Uh, catcher Edgar Cuero, two promising guys, uh, pitcher Sam Bachman, Kai Bush, things like that. We're excited about what Rocket City looks like. And since they're in the Southern League, I'll get to see them this year. The Southern League is right here in the, like I live in the middle of the Southern League. So just later this week, I'm going to Montgomery to watch the Biscuits, which is the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, versus the Tennessee Smokies, which is the Cubs. So Pete Crow Armstrong and all those guys. So excited that Rocket City has a bunch of top prospects. I'm going to catch them the first time they uh, they come through here before they promote some of these guys to AAA. In just a minute, let's talk about A-ball uh, and some of the uh, the really interesting and, and top prospects in A-ball. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. Uh, this is a really cool game. Very, very detailed you get to run an MLB franchise, okay? You get to do every everything as far as strategy for this team. You are, as you play through seasons, you are leading the franchise, whether it's managing the finances, how much are we charging for tickets, concessions, all of that stuff. Whether it's hiring coaches and staff, what philosophies do you want from your hitting coach, from your pitching coach? Uh, whether it is scouting and drafting players, are you taking guys who are uh, higher floor but lower ceiling? Are you going for guys that are complete lottery picks? Are you focusing on prepsters, college guys? What are you doing there? Dealing with free agency. Uh, where are you prioritizing spending? Where are you trying to develop from within? Uh, dealing with personalities. Dealing with injuries as they pop up. Uh, it is a very, very thorough game that takes you through an MLB season. But what I like about it, what I, what I love about it, is, yes, it's challenging and realistic, but unlike a lot of mobile games, it's completely free. You can play it offline. So you can play it on the go. You can play it as little or as much as you want to. It doesn't tie into any real-life mechanics, uh, to any real time you have to log in every so often to do this thing, or we time restrict you on how often you can do this unless you pay. None of that stuff is in the game, which I love. And so you can make a league with your friends. We have a league amongst all of the Locked On MLB hosts. So you can download the game. You and your friends can do it. And you can compete with one another. Uh, so Locked On MLB Prospects listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Make sure to check it out. To download the game, go to probaseballgm.com. If you're on YouTube, scan the code on the screen or look it up on the app store. It's probaseballgm.com for the ultimate baseball GM app. Start your dynasty today. Okay, looking at some of the top teams in A-ball, I think the number one option, and I don't know if you how long you'll see them all together, but number one is the high A Brooklyn Cyclones, affiliate of the New York Mets. 
They've got a couple top prospects here, including two, two top five guys and a top 10 guy. So catcher Kevin Parada out of Georgia Tech, first catcher taken in last year's draft is here, as well as uh, outfielder Alex Ramirez, 2019 IFA, got in games in low A last year and then spent about half the season in high A. So he's back in Brooklyn to start this year. Uh, to go along with that, right-hand pitcher Blade Tidwell out of Tennessee, one of the top pitchers taken last year, top 10 prospect. He's there in Brooklyn as well. So uh, I don't know how long some of these guys will be there. It feels like if Ramirez does well, he's a good candidate to move pretty early. Uh, Kevin Parada, there's been a lot of conversation about Kevin Parada having to work on his defense. He got a lot better in the college season last year. But definitely something where we're going to be watching to see how quickly Kevin Parada moves um, from, from high A to double A. I think he might be there for a while because last year he joined low A St. Lucie, I want to say for like the last 10 games and then the playoffs. So this is a promotion from where he was last year. I think Kevin Parada will be in high A for a good portion of the year. I don't think it'll be all year. So maybe go make the trip in the first half of the year versus the second. But I do think he'll be there for a while. Uh, Blade Tidwell, same thing. Not sure how long he will be there. Something where pitchers are a little bit different. I don't think he, uh, like he, he got maybe four games in low A last year after he debuted in rookie ball. And all of these were abbreviated outings. Two, two, two innings apiece, roughly. So I definitely think this promotion to high A, he's going to be there for probably at least half the season. If he does well, I could see midpoint of the year, them bumping him to double A or maybe a little bit later. But either way, it feels like he's going to be there for a little while. So you'll get some time with him. Uh, and then the number two is the Daytona Tortugas. So a uh, single A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. And the main thing that you want to watch here for as long as you're going to have these guys is the infield. So you've got, uh, you've got Cam Collier, who I think, uh, what was it, number 18 in the draft last year. And I want to say he was only 17 when he got drafted because he, he, he got his GED early and went to Chippewa Junior College. So he was in junior college, uh, played there, and then got drafted. Something where I've been playing a lot of third base. You've got Sal Stewart, who was the pick after Cam Collier last year. They, he also plays third base. So I, I expect you're going to see probably some first base out of Sal Stewart. There is thought that he's probably going to end up at first base. The arm is above average, but the, the, the range isn't really great. And he, it's something where as a young guy, he's I, I think he's 19, he'll turn 20 this year. You worry that the speed already being around a 35 grade or so, that he's going to slow down some more. So I think the plan is to slowly transition him over to first base. So him and Cam Collier will both play some third, but I imagine Collier's going to stick at third. Stewart will move over to first. And then playing in the middle somewhere between them is going to be Victor Acosta. So 2021 IFA by the Padres, he was part of the Brandon Drury trade last year. Uh, and so he got just a little bit of time in the complex league. So that's why he's starting off in uh, starting off in, in A ball. But another guy where 
it's it's going to be hard to get innings at shortstop, right? You'll probably see him play a little bit of second base. He could kick out to third. Just the arm is plus, the speed is plus, but it's something where, um, I mean, you've got Cam Collier, you've got Sal Stewart all trying to get time at third. So you may see him play a little bit of second base. I think he'd be a plus defender there. I think he'd be average to above average at short. I think he'd be plus at second. By the time he gets to the bigs, uh, I think you'll be at the Jonathan India free agency point. So you have to look at, does it India get extended? Does he not? If he doesn't, Acosta may be an option there. There's just so many infield prospects in this system. I do think there's a possibility that they look at Acosta in the outfield as well. We'll see what happens throughout this season. I don't think he's played outfield yet. But again, he's only played as of time of, the, of recording like three or four games. So we'll see what happens. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, mailbag on Monday. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMovieProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on Movie Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.